<laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's a sound bite right there. Hi, and welcome back to Pink Lemonade. And this week, I'm joined again by Rakesh. And again, not with Mikey, but here he is now with Mikey. Hi, Mikey. Hi, Mikey. That's Mikey. Mikey's in a band. (laughs) (laughs) Mikey's in a band. (laughs) Here we go again. Jingle time. Here come the groupies. (laughs) (laughs) Today's topic is... Yeah, that's my job. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, today topic we're actually going to be talking about um, the short-term problem with masculinity. And not necessarily the problem with it, but the problems surrounding it. Okay. So, yeah. Are you prepared to answer hot questions on this topic, Mike? Are you prepared to answer anything? Oh. <laughs> the guns are up. The alcohol is in. We did have a woman with us, but she's like... <laughs> she left. She went, why do I want to talk about men with men? And then she left the room. <laughs> But no, um, here we are. We remain. Yeah, it's it's not a new topic. It's one that we're sort of. I think it's know. changing. It's a changing the environment topic. around. It's changing. Yeah, um, and mm. what sparked me thinking about talking about it again is so we all aware of the new Gillette advert that's gotten a lot of heat. The not yes. so new Gillette advert. Yeah. Not so it's not so new now. No, but when I <laughs> first went about organising this, yes, it was new. But mm. uh, yeah. Mm. Men, we have Men. to be. We have to be better because you know, I, kids are bad, and also we're bad. But I watch do out. find it amazing that basically the entire advert boils down to men don't be a dick, <laughs> and then you get hundreds and hundreds of comments on YouTube and Twitter and all saying about how this is a horrible sort of ad and mm. how, yeah. how dare they say that. And it's like, is it really that controversial to be like, <laughs> hey, don't be an asshole? Yeah, basically, and then it's just. It's always with things like this, especially with like product companies, and then you've got a bunch of people who are like, well, I'm not buying your products again. <laughs> yeah. That's oh. the thing, you get this, it's a razor, like it's like a candle company trying to solve racial issues. You're, you're a candle, you know. Yeah. Obviously, it's a men's razor, but they're kind of, it, it, you, you've got to question how much of it's publicity stunt, how much, how much of it's theatrics, how much it's like genuine. Oh, it's definitely outrage marketing. Mm. Yeah, no, without a shadow of a doubt. They, they, they just stopped short of just full frontal nudity to try and get the attention. You know, in terms of the shock factor, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, in, in of itself, mm. it's not that polarizing, but at the same time, it's the unnecessary like element of it. You know, having to be said by Gillette. Yeah, it it is kind of weird to, on the one hand, go, you know, we should hold people accountable and hold everyone to a slightly higher standard and basically be nice to each other. Also, by the way, uh, buy my razor. Buy our razor, <laughs> yeah. because... It's kind of a disconnect. Yeah, that bro, regard. that's a problem, but also, buy my razor. <laughs> that's crazy, man. You ever bought my razor? <laughs> you ever bought my razor? But it's also Gillette, you know, the ones who very, like... Stereotypical. Yeah, they're very stereotypical. Mm. They're very, like, precise to be like, but these products are only for men. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. There's, a, there's an interesting thing. There's a company called Lumen. Yeah. You might have seen their adverts on Instagram. Uh, they do. Uh, they, they do. Uh, they do like male grooming products. Send us free stuff. And yeah. they're like they like moisturizers and like creams and stuff. And they 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 they're like a four men thing. But the way they break it, they broke it down was oh you know you know a lot of um, like companies like Nivea and stuff mm. will have a four men product on yeah. their range. Mm. Whereas because obviously traditionally they were four women. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong that way, but like that's just how it that's kind of progressed. They they kind of expanded their market to men, and they argued that those products are. They've made one product and tried to adapt it to a different, you know, different market. Yeah. In terms, of, I don't know if they're talking chemically or what, but they, they kind of basically said these have been designed and tested like specifically for men. Mm-hmm. That not it's only for men, but we suited it more for men to use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which what their kind of ethos was. Yeah. But at the same time, like I don't understand how a cream is different. But I mean, maybe I mean obviously there are there, there are different like like differences between like, what men you know, listen, but like how extreme are they? That, exactly. You know, like, I don't think it's be, that big a thing the only reason like, I got it was free and it, it smells nice it smells of rose water I almost exclusively use like women's yeah like creams and yeah. stuff because they generally are just a bit cheaper because they go on sale more yeah, yeah exactly it's the opposite with razors though you use the whole thing with women's like, razors a lot of women use men's razors 
because yeah, men's razors are cheaper. Mm. We just shave our faces. Yeah. Some women shave every, all the all the bits. All of the bits. And they get charged for it more. I know. It is ridiculous. So much like grooming products basically are just repackaged and sold to men and mm. all they do is they change the uh, packaging from sort of pinks and whites to yeah. just black and instead Blue. of being like oh it smells nice of strawberries it'll be like men's smells of steel yeah <laughs> we're like you know wood and flavour <laughs> wood and timber yeah it's like yeah lumberjack approach exactly because we're all lumpy jacks. I, I still don't know what what does steel smell like. <laughs> blue know. steel. Yeah, well, it's that's around. They just got a bunch of like rusty particles. And, yeah. like, mm. dazzled it inside. I, I had really weird links the other day. I didn't. I, I didn't drink it. That sounded a bit weird. But I, I used a really weird link yeah. the other day, and mm. it was cookies and leather. Was the ooh, scent? Ooh. Cookies and leather, and I was like. What? What Sounds am I, like cowboy food. bacon? Like, what am I trying to smell like? And it smelled really like cookies and leather. I was like, but why would someone, you know, like, maybe it's like scent peacocking? Like, I smell like cookies and leather. You wouldn't get that anywhere else. Mate with yeah. me. I don't know what, <laughs> Mate with what, me. what the bottom Please. line was of the thing. Because, you know, I've, I've stopped using the one that makes me stem, but smell like an entire continent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've stuck to just leather and cookies. It's just so weird. Like, it, but that's a whole other thing. It's like, these products don't really need to be that complicated, do they? It's, it's mm. soap, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, soap is soap, and soap does the clean. It cleans you no matter you maybe what. Get, you maybe get some soap that does a bit different clean, or it's, you know, it's better for your hair, mm. it's your body, but... You use soap on your hair? Sh- sh- uh, shampoo. Is shampoo, shampoo shampoo soap? Is shampoo soap? I don't think it's... If it, no. if it lathers, But that's a soap. whole other discussion. If it, if it lathers, it's a soap, right? Uh, are we getting into this discussion now? I think it's important um, that we should clarify, for not only ourselves, but the audience... Whether shampoo is, is I don't think shampoo is a soap. I don't think it's. I wouldn't classify. I use use bar soap and I use bar shampoo as well, but they're two different things. They are named different things. But if I but they do different things. If I try to use my shampoo to like wash my body, it doesn't work. If I try and use the soap to wash my hair, my hair gets all dry and horrible. But the thing is, I think I, I define soap as something that you add water. But would it you just use work. the soap on your hair? I you use body wash on my bath, hair. Before? Is bath bomber soap then? Because you add it to water and it goes blue. But that's effervescence. That's not. Is, <laughs> is lathering effervescence or is it like slower fizz? Like what is a lather? Lather it's is like a mixing. See, of... these are the type of stuff that like guys. Well, not all guys, but guys that of our like generation can talk about. Yeah. Whereas if I try to have this kind of discussion with like my dad, for example, he'd be like. What soap do you use? What, what, the f- what the fuck are you talking about? I just use whatever's in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like half the time it's whatever's there. Yeah. I, I don't have specific. I mean, I do, but I have sensitive skin. That's that, a whole. That, I mean, that's that's a whole other argument about. I'm like... hyperallergenic. <laughs> I have my own special shampoo because I am the only vegan in my household, so I have to buy the like vegan certified ones. And they're really expensive, so no one else can use them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair, to be honest. I've used so many um, women's colour protect shampoo. I, like, I don't know what I'm trying to protect, but it must have worked. <laughs> I don't know. You're not gone grey. I haven't gone grey. I don't know what... Yeah, but I, you know, for me, soap, soap is soap. Yeah. Know? I call anything that isn't yeah. the water that's washing me soap. <laughs> for me, soap is soap, but shampoo is something else. Okay. <laughs> I think shampoo falls on the soap Is conditioner soap, then? No. Can, can, does conditioner froth up? Not as much. A little bit, though. A little bit, Maybe she's weak as soap. <laughs> Have we considered that? Maybe yeah, there's a soap yeah. scale. Like, obviously, bar soap on one end. Shampoos. Mm. Conditioner. Come on, but yeah. anyway, like... But anyway. Um, do you think there's a lot of pressure still to uh, uphold, like, <coughs> traditional masculinity? Absolutely. It's more covert, but yeah. Mm. Like... There's, it's the same way that like there's, there's still the idea of a normal anything. It's like, yeah. if you break what people's idea of the norm is, mm. you're seen as weird, regardless of the context. Yeah. Even though people are generally quite accepting, mm-hmm. and some people are more accepting than others, you can still do stuff that's like seen as out there. And when it comes to masculinity, like, you know, if you wear a ballet outfit, people will think that's weird, because you're a guy. Even yeah. though anyone, if you ask them if there is anything wrong with that in theory, they'd be like, well, no. Mm. But their reaction will still be, it is. And that mm. could come from, like, media narrative, like, how people have learned about gender, like, things that are kind yeah. of ingrained into you, how you think. Because I think now, because we have the internet, everyone has equal opportunity to learn whatever. Yeah. So there's less gendered learning. It's like before, mm. you know, you had gendered toys, gendered TV shows mm-hmm. and stuff. Now anyone can go on the internet and pretty much consume whatever, for good or for, for all, probably for all. But, 
You know what I mean? So there's less of a... There's, there's no boys and girls internet, is there? It's the internet. It's neutral in that sense. Yeah. And I, you can choose to consume whatever you wish on that internet. That being said, I think there is a lot of communities on the internet that do end up becoming kind of boys' clubs. Of course. Well, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. You go on, if you go on quite a lot of subreddits, on Reddit, for example, mm. people can hold some quite sort of toxic yeah. ideas. But they, what's interesting about that, though, is there still has the barrier of anonymity, so you don't even know that it's... Mm. You know, that... There's a lot of there's opportunity for you know to get away with not having like any sort of identity, yeah. and therefore even in toxic situations, like a girl could still very easily go online and get into one of those groups. Yeah, mm-hmm. which you know in real life wouldn't be physical. If that was a physical room full of guys, the girl wouldn't be able yeah. to do that. They wouldn't mm-hmm. be able. To, and obviously, it's not something they probably want to experience. But it kind of shines a light on those things. But whereas before the internet, it was done behind closed doors or done in a way that no one could actually you know kind mm. of observe it. Mm. But now with the internet, you can can. Yeah. yeah there's, there's more access. But it, his, this, I think, one of my personal, like, bigger issues with it is um, it's more than just that, like, people hear masculine, they think men. People hear feminine, they think women. But then really it's, like, people in general. Like, you can have masculine mm. traits and that's fine. Yeah. Whether you're a man mm. or a woman or anything in between. Or and they just call that because of tradition. Yeah. the reason why they exactly. call masculine traits. But it's, like trying to break down those barriers as well yeah. to sort of be like anyone can sort of be masculine anyone, anyone can sort of be feminine anyone can have mm. those sort of traits that sort of intertwine within each other I think it's moving rather towards, than it's just, moving towards away from yeah. traditional toxic masculinity like, rather than just having the like one or the other yeah and I but, think sorry no you go ahead I think the big misconception about toxic masculinity is that it's somehow shaming sort of traditionally masculine traits it's yeah. not it's it's shining a light on the negative aspects of mm. traditional masculinity but I think that there's absolutely nothing wrong with like healthy masculinity yeah like, if you think of the sort of in a strictly traditional sense what kind of constitutes to being a man yeah um, you know obviously there's areas that can be problems so kind of that overly macho attitude and stuff but then there's also sort of being caring being providing yeah being you know looking out for others and those are often not discussed because people like to create this whole narrative that toxic masculinity is somehow an assault on the very core of masculinity which it isn't yeah. it's not it's like it's, it's the more problems yeah. that derive mm. from it's talking about the trap of it as well you know like yeah. you're feeling like you have to stick to certain roles or you know without freedom to change mm-hmm. core aspects without mm-hmm. you know having no masculinity yeah that's the toxic element of it it's not saying that them themselves are mm. toxic yeah because um, I was going to go on to say like um do you guys feel, because I don't feel like it's, it is just, but do you guys feel like it is mainly just men enforcing these stereotypes or enforcing the toxicity that um, comes out of this? Or do you think it's more than just, do you think it's, do you think like women play a big part in it as well? Think, or do you think it's like just, yeah, I mean, or does it depend too much on the situation? I think, you know, there's, there's, you boil it down to the very cliche, typical things like, do men pay on the first date? Which is often understood like a traditional old thing, mm. but even though I'm sure you'll experience like there's still that like kind of it's like kind of more of a joke now, but still like it's kind of a weird thing, mm. you know that that's it's not a necessary thing and it's not like uh, the norm anymore, but like it's still the known thing that's being deviated mm. from, and that comes from the t- traditional, obviously incorrect but traditional housewife working man kind of paradigm. Yeah. So that the, the you know traditionally the man would have more money, therefore would pay for more things. But then that logic in it itself, removing the genders of whoever has more money pays more, mm-hmm. in you know, is one thing. So, for example, you know, if men are, like women are, you know, more equal now in terms of actual conscious thought, like amongst the young generations, then you'd both split the bill anyway because you probably, you know, both are in the same position. Yeah. And you know, you could still, you know, I could still take my girlfriend out to dinner and yeah. pay for the dinner as like a treat, but I don't feel the need mm. to have to, you know, pay. Yeah. But that would, but it's still something you think about because it's like. It's no one, no one group of people have made it that way. It's just like conscious, like general, like community consciousness has had those norms, mm-hmm. but perpetuated by both sides and perpetuated by media to the point where it's just part of how you think. Like it's like a knee jerk reaction, like pay for the first, you know, pay for the meal. It's like, yeah. why? It's like, yeah. but, I, but I have to, do I? Do I, 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 I mean, I'd rather not, but do, <laughs> do I have to? Like what, what, it, yeah. you know, it's kind of in, it's in your mind that those things, even though you know that they're not things they are still in your mind, if that makes sense. That does mm. make sense, yeah. Ingrained, it's like internalised roles. Yeah. Role, like, cognition, I don't know. 
I mean, we're psychologists, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. like, yeah, there's, there's, there's the way you can, like, perceive something that then, you know, context is important in every situation. Mm. And if mm. your context is being raised on traditional gender yeah. polarised media, then you're going to have those thoughts. Yeah. Or those, those way of seeing things. Even if you don't agree with them or act on them, they're still thoughts you'll have. You yeah, know? no, it's true. Because, like, I was brought up in a very, you know, strict um, Mediterranean-type family. And that is something that is very much... Most of the men are very, very similar in my family. Yeah. It's like if you're not the same as that, you're not deviating from the norm. Exactly. Really. It's like it is on a multiple like society, societal yeah. level, like be it in friendship groups, be it in family, be it in the workplace, be it just in general public. Mm. Mm. And I think what what is important, right? I mean, we all know Jordan Peterson, right? You know, but I think <laughs> obviously, like you know, he's dismissed for a lot of different views. But some of the things he said before. Uh, prior to controversy um, about how you know if you boil it down to just hormones there are different hormones in male and female bodies mm. and they have they have you know grounding and effect within the body you know they can, they can affect mood they can affect uh, physical appearance and stuff yeah. and as much as you know consciously and, and through you know mental ability and everything people could be equal there are biological differences between men and women for example like you know the evolution of male and female clothes. There's been a lot of sexism and oppression with that, but also, you know, it's not one size fits all because they are the different bodies or, you know, and that's obviously not across everything. I'm just saying, speaking as a, taking a general average woman's body and a general average man's body of all the male and female bodies in the world yeah. will be different bodies and the, obviously the hormone balances and how they affect behaviour will be different. Not uniform, I'm not saying this is how one are and this is how the other are, mm. but I think there's an opposite extreme of pretending everyone's exactly the same on all levels because... Oh, you know, see what you mean. So we're all equal in opportunity and everything, but like to pretend that we're just completely clones of each other, yeah. even mm. between men, we're diff- we have different bodies, yeah. we have different minds, chemical balances and stuff, like, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into one person. So to then claim that everything, you know, it's like equality versus equity, mm-hmm. like mm. a, 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 like equal outcome or equal opportunity. Yeah. You, know, you go for opportunity, you don't pretend everyone's the same, or like I don't see colour or whatever that's, you know, you just... You're just kind of purporting an illusion, mm. and you're not addressing the key issues around why it is people are having issues with yeah. things like gender. Going back to Peterson, um, that's the real critical error that Peterson makes is when you say men and women are different, and then you went on to go, but that doesn't mean that you know they are uniformly the same. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of his the problems I have with him stem from him sort of going, men and women are different, and therefore. Yeah, we must have this strict set of rules. And... Yeah, because he's got an old, he's an old, old fashioned guy. He's an old man. Like he's been raised in a different. Like, mm. the, uh, obviously, you've read Twelve Rules for Life. I did read Twelve Rules for Life. I thought it was really boring. Really, I think I, I think the issue he had was main one. He kind of played up religion quite a lot mm. in the book, but obviously he was has a religious background. Yeah, and two because he was an older older man from a different generation, the way he would segregate men and women is quite brutal and clear cut versus actually having a more modern opinion on how, you know, as I was saying, mm. just because not new, but like, it, it's not absolutely like straight black or white. Yeah. But it's not... It's not equal. dissolving yeah. differences yeah. to be nothing is embracing because them. He would say something that was relevant to psychology, which I would think would be relevant to yeah. everyone, but he'd say, but this is more for men. It's like, well, no. Mm. Or he would men- say something, get so close to making a good point, and, and then, then deviate. Deviate and somehow turn it into an enforcement of traditional gender roles. And it's yeah. like, you were so close to, yeah. you know making a point there like the whole book almost touches on some interesting philosophy and gets so close at times but it never quite hits it whenever it came to gender it, mm. that's when it kind of took yeah went awry. but at the same time there are still things in there that once you remove those i mean you have to read consciously you can't just like take in whenever you watch anything reading yeah. you know you have to think you know you don't just take anything as law yeah and so i think it's still a worthy read because there are a lot of point important clinical points yeah because it was the top book in clinical psychology for right. like a good I mean, time I would recommend even if you fundamentally disagree with someone I think to understand their viewpoint is something important because yeah. I fundamentally oppose a lot of what Peterson says and a lot of what he stands for but I don't think that I could have made like an informed choice on disliking him without having actually read and attempted to understand his material yeah. because it's very easy to see sort of um, you know, a meme on the internet or someone else's take on something and for someone to go, this man is good or this man is bad yeah. and take it Black at face value. And yeah. I think, yeah, the whole internet culture tends to be quite polarising. Yeah. So you have people out there, there seem to be two very different camps that you end up seeing and most people appear online. Obviously, 
the people that speak about this online are always the loudest yellers, so the people holding the strongest opinions. Yeah. But yeah. There are people out there going, Jordan Peterson is a Nazi. And then there are also people out there saying that Jordan Peterson is, you know, some sort of icon of Western civilization yeah. in the 21st century. And he's neither. He is a, a guy, just he's, he's a deluded that, old man yeah. that holds but some pretty has, traditional conservative views. But he views. also has a lot of experience that is yeah. obviously in a, you know, in a more, a, dare I say objective, but like a more, like mm. the experiences he's had within research are still mm. valuable. Like, and the same as you were saying that those two extremes in the same way that you can't, even mm. though he says some things now and he, you know, he says some wrong things, it doesn't mean he still can't say right things. Same, yeah. but, you know, like, and you can have sound opinions on some, some things and not others. Yeah. I think he facilitates a lot of very toxic debate. Yeah. I think I think that he facilitates that by sort of basically by being a sort of media figure that holds quite traditionalist conservative views, people then take those and take them to another degree. And I think in that sense He's a bounce off board for that. He's, he's a bounce off board for very toxic ideas. Yeah. And I think it's in, you know important to remember that that whilst I don't necessarily think that he himself yeah, is that saying, kind of yeah. person I think that that kind of thinking can lead to that if left unchecked he opens doors for other people to kind of yeah. sit through that level of cognition to then go to the extremes of yeah. not fully thinking it through which is why it's always and I understand what you guys are saying but then it's also important to for me it's important to still recognise what you're saying and putting out there yeah. because it can do those yeah. sort of things especially if you have a platform and presence it's important to check up on them I know you're saying like he's, he's an old guy from way back when and he probably doesn't know what the hell he's saying anymore anyway. yeah or something like that um something along those lines yes if you still have that platform you still know people responsible yeah, yeah. you have a for what so they, you, yeah if, when you have a platform you there is a weight of responsibility when saying things even if you don't mean it if you don't mean to have it it's, mm. it's still there intention is irrelevant when actually it's just yeah you're saying that yeah yeah I, I i get that i do get that as someone that sort of I'm, I'm trying to phrase this without sounding like I'm trying to brag, which is absolutely not what I'm trying to do. But so I am in a, a band and we have, you know... Mike is in a band. So, <laughs> Mike's in a band. Mike's okay. in a band. I, I, I have a minorly successful Twitter account for some sort of creative thing we're not going to talk about. But um, like, <laughs> And having that elevated level of platform, it's very weird to sort of to be in that position because when we first started out we sort of all said let's remain kind of apolitical and you know it, it's about the music or whatever and then so yeah. the last time goes on you realise I have an elevated platform and there's a lot of people out there spreading a lot of toxic stuff and I think that if you have an elevated platform you have some level of social responsibility mm-hmm. because people actually listen to you yeah that's well, that's, I, I had this conversation with um, he's not present but Ian yeah. probably make his way onto the show eventually. Maybe. But about mm. how, you know, as you were saying before, loudest voices are normally the most like extreme opinions. Mm. Like everyone as an individual likes to like get their stuff out there. But mm. by by being patient about what you say until you have the right platform to say it, I mm. think carries more weight. Because it's like demand that's supply and demand. If you say a lot of things about a lot of things all the time quite loudly, people will just the next thing you say, which could be quite important to helping someone or do something good, mm. will be dismissed as one of these other several yeah. things that you've yelled about before. Whereas if you're kind of careful and have a platform where you're selective and more, you know, you don't get into every fight that comes on yeah. online, you kind of pick important issues and follow them in a responsible way. Mm-hmm. That not only demonstrates to those people doing it wrong, that's how it should be done, because I have this platform through this thinking, therefore yeah. it shows that it's kind of worked in that way. But it also lets you know you have that platform to then like directly speak to people, but also get into bigger conversations with other bigger people. Yeah, that might be doing the opposite. You might be spreading the, the wrong kind of information. But you can have those conversations at a better capacity. But it's hard to get to that point if you're always constantly having fights with everyone mm-hmm. all the time, supporting this issue and that like quite flippantly and in quick succession. Mm-hmm. No one's going to take what you say as weighted or seriously. Not, not I'm saying that they should, but like you know, what I mean, like if you hear if you hear someone say a lot of things or a lot of issues, you don't believe the, that they're as intentional or passionate about any individual one. This is exactly what Trump does. If you effectively shitpost a load of very offensive stuff, people forget a lot of other offensive yeah. stuff very quickly. Yeah. Think about some of the gaffes that Trump has had before his presidency, during his presidency. He's he's said and done stuff that other presidents would get crucified for. Mm-hmm. But we all kind of forget it because it's just kind of the outrage of the day. And yeah. tomorrow he'll say something equally stupid so you or forget crazy. It, yeah. I mean, th- and that's the thing. Like, mm. you know, if you were, you know, and that's the way it can be used for bad. But as you said, if you have mm. a platform, you can kind of want to be able to before. You are now by 
starting off apolitically, you now have a better political position to, yeah. you know, have better discussions on those things. Because you haven't made it your account based around that. Yeah. So if you were to break the silence on something, it would add weight to what you're saying. Yeah. Because you haven't done that before. I think you do it very little. art and politics is so intrinsically linked that I don't think it's really possible to fully make apolitical art. Yeah. yeah. Because everything that you it's make It's driven from is, something, yeah, isn't it? It's driven from some level of wider society, yeah. which is in itself affected by, you know, government and politics. Yeah, and so you, all that if kind you have a political opinions, mm. be it right, left, centrist, whatever, and then you are creating art and that yeah. is being driven by that, you can't then remain apolitical after that. Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, and obviously, look at Tim Carrey's art. It's very obviously, overtly, like very clearly political because that's yeah. what he does. But yeah. he also, you know, prior to that, did things that were very metaphorical and kind of just for the self. Mm. And it's the same man doing both, and it's the same reasons he's doing both. But he's just doing it in a different style. But mm-hmm. in the same way, you know, the the lyrics you write. Mm. If you did have a band, I'm not saying Mikey does have a band. He might have a band, oh, but like you know, good God, the, the correct <laughs> decisions you make are informed of the experiences and views you hold. Yeah, exactly. And so you can never, as you said, you can never avoid it. But at the same time, it depends how obvious you are with oh, it yeah. versus you know how 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 much of a place it takes within your creativity. Obviously, yeah. you could be a political artist or you've been an artist that has mm. politics in their mind. You know, mm. it's a balance. So to finish it off, um, uh, one of the episodes previously previously recorded was like in our influences episode i was talking well lara posed question to me like do did i feel like there was not and it's not necessarily has to be an influence for you guys but did i feel like there was an influencer out there who positively uh, is a positive role model for young boys or like young men mm-hmm. and for me i from a personal perspective i couldn't find an influencer that i found represented that but in general do you feel like do you guys have a role model for yourselves that you positively engage like yeah as a male role model so it doesn't I'm, yeah. I'm wording it so no badly. I get what you're saying you get what I mean just in the, yeah someone that you can look up to personally within yeah. your own identity and doesn't like oh yes yeah, so like on your on your personal level doesn't like do anything contribute to like the toxicity well right yeah now. so I mean not to get too into it but as anyone who knows me knows Hundreds Thompson the writer was like a big like when I started reading his work it made mm. me think a lot more of things he was seen as he was a culture personality, unnecessary, like unintentionally. Like, yeah. He became a culture thing because mm-hmm. of the fear and loathing stuff in the Hell's Angels book. Mm-hmm. But he meant spend most of his life doing um, like social and political writing and journalism. So he was right. always doing articles on every, like everything under the sun, like um, racial issues, um, like holding Nixon accountable for certain things. And the way he writes is like to a point of uh, comedy because it's so clear what's wrong. But he never he never wrote with opinion. He always he would always say like. For example, even did this in the Hells Angels book. So there, there was a lot of issues during that period with the Times in New York, kind mm-hmm. of just fudging numbers. As, you know, media did, they were mm. less accountable then. They could make stories more extra- extravagant for the sake of selling stories. Yeah. But in that time, it affected that group of people. Even though they might not be good or bad people, it still affected them in the wrong course, light. Yeah. Yeah. And all he would do is he wouldn't start digging into the Times. He would say, this is the Times published results, and here are the police's actual reports. And he would move on. He wouldn't. It would never become a point of, I'm right, you're wrong, or like, this is, you know, I, I know more than you. He would just like, he would say, you may not have known this, but this is how this is. Mm. A couple of jokes here and there. And he would go into like bigger. So he, he tackled things like um, um, there was like a big racial issue in L.A. between a certain part of the Mexican community, I think the Chicano community. Mm. And um, the government, you know, did like poverty, job opportunities, everything was bad. And it got to the point where during one riot, this particular, um, I think it was a lawyer or a solicitor who was a big figurehead for like rights for that community was assassinated during the riots. They right. fired a smoke grenade into his head. Right. And okay. yeah. it used to, it was like, oh, it's an accident, it's an accident. But then like, it all came out that he was there on the ground. And he, he was, you know, he's a white guy. So he wasn't, you know, welcome in that situation. He just had friends in the right places that knew what it was that he did to allow him to do that. But his whole ethos was kind of one, you know, fighting injustices at every level, but in the most responsible way. So not just being angry and loud or opinionated, kind of doing the groundwork, as I was saying before, to build a platform or to mm. get such a case that no one could argue with that case because it's not you having an argument, you're presenting what's true or important mm. to stopping something bad from happening. And that kind of like core value is like something that I've thought about a lot more since reading his work. And I've and like obviously had a massive drug problem, you know, and like failed marriage here or there, but like, you know, nothing nothing too bad. 
but that was you know kind of more of a symptom of the times of like there was other that was not who he was yeah. and he never made that who he was he never embraced that as like he would be angry to the point if someone mentioning it or treating him he stopped doing journalism because he became more of a story in the room than the people he was reporting yeah because he got so famous and that's when he mm. stopped because he knew that at that point his platform was corrupted so he stopped yeah. because he had that kind of refrainment to try and tackle big issues without it being him tackling them he always mm. kept himself even though it was gonzo journalism he was reporting his first person experiences of things mm. it was never his opinion it was his experiences mm-hmm. and they're different things and i think that's important now today when you talk about stuff is to not have it as my thoughts versus your thoughts or i'm wrong you're right or you know any of that elements it's just like trying to stop bad things from happening so kind of a louis through of his day but yeah. with a lot more cocaine with a lot more yeah. cocaine yeah. <laughs> but it was the 70s and 60s but yeah it's the same kind of thing louis through does it's, mm. it's it's objective exposure with a subjective experience leading it because having an identity can get you access to bigger things. If Louis III wants to do a story on Jimmy Savile, he can do a story on Jimmy Savile. I mean, if he did a story on yeah, Jimmy that's, Savile. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, that's, but then any, oh, right, any right, random right. journalist yeah. wouldn't have had the same access. Yeah, yeah. So it can be useful, but then now Louis III is a, he's a cultural icon, so it's a Louis III documentary. It's not a documentary on this thing anymore. It's a Louis III documentary, and yeah. that's an issue where it becomes less, mm. less useful in some respects mm-hmm. because of that the effect he has on the story. But yeah, just to answer your question, that's that's <laughs> the only person I I can like the first at least that comes to mind. Yeah. Where I'm like, there's nothing I would hold him like accountable for that would be a bad influence on how I think or act or think about people. Yeah. You know? I would say it was purely a good influence. Mm. But I've been like reading for years now, so I you know built up that kind of I I didn't know at first, but now that you've asked me, that's that's what I would say. Yeah. Would be. What about you, Mikey? Um, you, I mean, you, if you don't have one, that's fine because I. I'd still say I don't. I honestly, off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone specific. I think that everyone has their sort of flaws. Um, yeah. In mm. life, obviously. Um, I think, perhaps speaking more generally, I think you're seeing we're seeing come through a lot more kind of positive influences mm. um, in more kind of online spheres. Um, so a lot of sort of younger internet personalities. I think are in general a bit nicer obviously you still have people making crap videos for yeah. views and clickbait and all that but if you think about some of the <laughs> yeah obviously you get like your Jake Pauls yeah. and that kind of stuff but if you look back at sort of in online spheres what was popular when I was about 14 and mm. you look at what's popular now with 14 year olds I think generally they're sort of nicer and more thoughtful people mm. um I don't think by any means we're there yet. Yeah. I, there are still people out there trying to defend PewDiePie using sort of racial slurs. And there are still, I mean, Jake and Logan Paul still have a massive platform. Yeah. And they, you know, make <laughs> trash and in every sense of the word, toxic masculinity. Yeah. yeah. Um, they are, I would say, the human embodiment of what's wrong with that kind of culture <laughs> yeah, yeah. right now. But I think then you also, because the internet allows anyone to have a platform, you are seeing more sort of positive role models coming through and I think we're starting through kind of a higher level of social awareness and Mm. things like the Me Too movement you're starting to see people in the public holding celebrities more accountable for their actions Mm, where they were previously untouchable you know they were seen as yeah like both online or in sort of television and media you know these people were untouchable 10-15 years ago Um, I grew up listening to like rock music and that kind of stuff and Ian Watkins um, from Lost Prophets is a sort of a, a very famous example of a man that was a complete monster um, right. he is currently in prison for you know sexual assault on minors but these accusations against him there were accusations made against him years before he got done mm. and no one listened to them because he was famous yeah. and it was all dismissed as oh you know this is probably an ex-girlfriend trying to get revenge and no one yeah. even gave it the time of day but it's the whole thing with the Michael Jackson thing mm. I mean, even if Michael Jackson was still alive it would have been a lot harder for that documentary to be made I'm not saying that I fully support you know it's obviously yeah. quite a complicated issue yeah. but even the fact that they were able to do that in the first place says a lot as you say about the access mm. now to you know mm. have the room and I think there's still a way to go in that regard and not everything is all peachy yet but I think that progress has been made and it's mm. continued to be made and I think as a society we're becoming more aware of it and more kind of you know able to sort of express more positive opinions more, more positive opinions and to sort of allow people to have their platform if they need it and to be able to hold 
those that do need to be held accountable to be held accountable. Right, I think we'll take a nice break there. Hot break. A hot break before the hot takes. Oh. and it's now the hot take section. You want to take it away, Rakesh? Well, I've noticed recently we're not talking about space. We're not talking about space. And I want to talk with you guys uh-huh. about the possible arguments that will soon to come about focusing more on space travel and development than saving the Earth we already live on. I'm not saying that's my opinion. I'm saying that's an argument I can see being formed. So what do you think? You know, in, in realistic timelines and long-term benefits what do you think the realisticness of you know space expansion and kind of um or at least expanding our ability for resources and waste and things yeah not to not to keep going where we're going versus kind of trying to solve the issues here with the idea in mind that maybe you know obviously the core issues with waste and the way we treat people in the environment is something to do with kind of the human condition shall we say so how effective it will be to like sustainably deal with that versus try and buy more time through expansion. You can't just run away from your problems. Of course not. Of course I'll not. I hoping you give me something fun, Rickard. But <laughs> no, well, this is the thing. But, but at the same time, if you're in a burning house, you know, you yeah. might not have enough time to think about those problems I wish, to solve them. When I was a bit younger, because, yeah, I'm not old. Yeah. Um, old enough? I'm old enough, yeah. I wish when I was, I was like, oh, maybe I'll be alive and we can actually go to space. Mm. But now, I realise, that's not going to be a possibility. That's the thing, though, because they have because this whole... I don't have no money. True. And only people with money get to go to space. This is true. This is an important <laughs> part of it as well. But I, I just see a lot of... There's a lot of energy and time going into that at the moment, so I feel like that is something that's becoming a big player in um, people's conversations about... I- I don't think that a capitalist society can have a functioning sort of society within space because everything corporate owned cor- planets. Yeah, because like big because that kind of research will, spreading the problem will come from yeah, and it'll come from sort of large scale corporations or governments who will subcontract it to corporations, and then the entire motive to sort of expand space isn't for some sort of gain for the human race; it's profiteering. Mm. So, I think that you're just going to expand the problem further because people will be trying to, you know, in whatever capacity sort of this space will be, whether it's sort of getting resources from somewhere else or solving some sort of problem of overpopulation, Mm. you're going to solve a problem by creating more problems. Yeah. And it won't be done with sort of, um, with an idea of sort of advancing the human race. It'll be done with the idea of, I can solve this problem and create money for myself. Yeah. Yeah, but I, as you said that though, this yeah. is what's interesting. Don't you think that issue that can't be solved is the reason why we cannot solve the climate issues that we currently have? Because Absolutely. In, in the same way, that's the issues with you know the companies stuff that don't they don't care it's the profit margin whatever. Mm. But that's what I'm saying. In that in that sense, then the Amazon is burning because people want to ranch cattle on it. Well, of course, but the, but the, it, speaking on the timeline, then in that sense, if we're dealing with the same problem, would not buying more time then warrant? A, be- a better capability to deal with the institutional core issues with people. I don't think so. Business. Because I think that you'll buy more time and people will just sit twiddling their thumbs for how yeah. much extra time you give yeah. them. I mean, you know, scientists and climate scientists warned us what, almost a full year ago now that we have about 12 years to go until basically the planet reaches breaking point. Yeah. 12 years, that's nothing. That's a blink of an eye. That's an eighth of or a seventh of a life you know depending yeah. on how long we're going to live but it's not a long time at all and we've spent the first of those 12 years so almost 10% of mm. the, that time we've done nothing yeah and that's what I'm saying so maybe nothing's going to happen there's not enough time to nothing's yeah. going to happen until it hits breaking point and then when it hits breaking point it's too late yeah of course but maybe maybe it's already too late yeah have you guys mm. seen the film Elysium yeah, yeah, with yeah, Matt yeah. Damon. Yeah, yeah. That, when when this topic comes up, this is what I think of. Interesting. All of the uh, you know germ-free, like very germ-free, no illnesses or fractures or you know yeah. m- mm. high society. Limbs. Literally, they're all living right, in yeah. like a big 
it's like a big you know circular spaceship thing yeah mm-hmm. and then everyone who's like depressed and dying is still on earth yeah because mm-hmm. the, the argument could be made as well that like obviously if we did expand that means you know the earth could be seen as even more throwawayable yeah so basically you know they yeah. Would, yeah but then at the same time that's the way it's seen at the moment as well so that i guess my point was mainly you know that i think i think it's a, it's a weird conversation to have i know but i think it's like it's becoming more relevant with the amount of money NASA's getting now and how what space is doing with their, you know, their, what's it called, Starhopper rocket that's pretty nearly ready for testing mm. that can travel further distances well, by... Who owns NASA? The American government. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> but they, they have a partnership with... They have some sort of partnership with SpaceX at this point. Um, it's yeah. co-research in certain areas. Yeah. And some co-funding as well. But that was more in the interest of... So, you know, the whole... Um, they didn't call it Stargate. What is you know the thing that the whole NASA <laughs> released that video Stargate. of their project for, project for like uh, by twenty twenty five, which was like a kind of a, a base between here and the moon, or just maybe past the moon. I think it was that rockets could go to to use as like a Fuel boost station. to go yeah. further, and that's how they would then be able to start seriously working on Mars and stuff. And obviously, Elon Musk's Starhopper is a similar idea of a kind of so you can go to the moon, set up some sort of stop station at the moon. And then these rockets, because he already, you know, pioneered the reusable rockets. Before yeah. Elon Musk's SpaceX rockets, rockets just blew up and the bits fell around. He got them to land again. With Which also, rockets blowing up is really, really bad. Of course. Um, because they continue to orbit the planet. Yeah. And they can hit satellites and stuff. Yeah. And other rockets. But that's what I'm saying. So that we've mm. already, in, in, in what seems very little time, considering Elon Musk's journey from PayPal to space travel, they've already solved one of the most, the biggest kind of wasteful issues of rockets. Yeah, because they have, and again, it's a sheer amount of money, but that allows them to do quite things quite quickly. Yeah, you know these these sheer scales of testing, which is why I think realistically the technology is more within reach than we would think it was because of the sh- the sheer money that they have, the sheer time mm. they're putting into these which things. Which bugs me because I fucking hate Elon Musk. Well, of course, he's doing all these yeah. things. But but at the same time, the, that's why I think it's realistic to talk about. I mean, the space aspect of humanity now. They landed the Apollo on the moon on less technology than I have right here in my hand in my phone. Yeah. Like th- this so far outclasses yeah. the Apollo rockets, and I use it to look at cat pictures on Facebook. You, yeah. um, <laughs> and naked people, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know the International Space Station? Yeah. Is that like neutral ground? Like yeah. neutral yeah, space it's, ground? It's mainly for research and. It's been declared that space is neutral territory. Yeah. No one is Does that allowed. include the moon as well? It's like the yeah. high seas, international waters. No one is allowed of, yeah. to claim the moon as their territory. Which I think, so that that is the one area in which, obviously, and again, with mm. SpaceX being SpaceX, that's kind of the first pop in the bubble of the governments being in control of expansion. and yeah. But at the same time, you know, that's, that's the things that... It, I see where you're going, like the commercial element of space mm. would be very much a threat. But at this point, there are very few companies with the ability to do anything about it possible. The governments have. Yeah. And obviously SpaceX is the biggest threat to that idea because they are pretty much bigger than any like space travel foundation in any country mm. in terms yeah. of money and resources and the amount of time they put into it. Virgin Galactic as well. Virgin Galactic, yeah. They've been, they've been on a slow burner for quite a while. I mm. think, like, I mean, they've been as public as SpaceX for probably a bit longer and they've done a lot less. Yeah. Because I don't think they have as much money for one. And they're not as committed as that because obviously they recently lost their train services because it's been mm. sold on someone else. I think. Yeah. So they're 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 kind of dwindling. At the but they did moment. successfully sue the NHS for not allowing them to privatise it. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the thing for that's another wild. Day. That's yeah. Richard, yeah, that's Madden. Yeah. yeah. Richard Branson sued the NHS because the NHS didn't give him a oh, privatisation. I just said Richard Madden. That's an actor. But still. <laughs> God damn you, Richard Madden. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Mm. But yeah, that's what I I I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's something. Especially within government, they're going to be talking Wait, about. Wait, so, yeah. if we can get off, hypothetically, we, as the three that we are, if yeah. we got off the planet, mm-hmm. can I stop being a citizen of Earth? Well, that's a whole other thing that would be... Because I saw a with. thing the other day, and it was like, sign up to like join some... Micronation. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it's like a micronation, but yeah. in space. Yeah. Well, that's the, the, the first point of mm. call. I mean, and this is, again, why I think the main issue with space expansion isn't the technology, it's the politics. Mm. Because in order to do that, there would have to be, you know, it would be like the United Nations that would have to lead the um, bureaucratic and citizenship side of managing space as a colony, because no one country would be happy with any other one country 
and it's doing just... that, even though America is best suited to, in terms of their ability to push others out of the way, mm. they would still be held accountable by the rest of the world for doing so. And it's kind of scary because on the Earth we have kind of a finite amount of space that people yeah. squabble over, but space is really big. Mm. And Very big, I've like, heard. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that space really is rather large. <laughs> Haven't seen it, but you know. Um, <laughs> but, so, it's you can have hard limits on sort of countries here because you have things like water separating them, but space is really big. And mm. if people were to start claiming, you know, countries in space, they wouldn't be claiming countries or islands, they'd be claiming like planets. planets yeah. or like and that could allow large for bodies. very dangerous things to happen yeah. within yeah. those planets. But then but, like, if we all settle, well, I said, again, I keep saying we, like I'm going to get there. That but people the, settle on Mars. Yeah. And then what about if they turn around and go, no, 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 we don't want to be a part of you anymore. Because we feel, mm. don't feel like it, or some other, you know, oh, there's thing. There's so yeah. much politics at play. But that, I, th- I think that's the biggest risk to it. But yeah, I think, I think, I mean, personally, I, I'm very for sorting out the earth, but I'm also quite cynical on the ability for us to do that at this point because of, as you said, it's been decades of very severe warning studies, everything. Yeah. Mm. And even now, you know, that for example, the whole, I think the biggest note in this that kind of was not the final nail in the coffin, but a big nail in the coffin for me in terms of hope of sorting stuff out was the whole, um, it was Malaysia, the dumping of the plastic. Yeah. So, you know, the whole big recycling emergency, you know, everyone's got recycling bins now. In Croydon, they have several different bins, several different things, all that and the other, and it was all just being shut out anyway. So, like, yeah. even at that level, you know, it's just the government will give up an inch and they'll pretend it's a mile mm. in terms of progress when actually the inch is probably in the opposite direction because they're actually still fucking around mm-hmm. it just made it someone else's problem and, it, and, and so that's it's that seems to be just how humans work at this point in terms of the leaderships so why you know i don't think we'd we're not able to fix jack shit before the breaking point is reached yeah mm-hmm. but my which is why but i feel still feel like it's important to try mm. because obviously and and i know you're not saying slow it, you know yeah that, you know things you do are important because they they do you know they'll, they'll, they'll buy time yeah but it's still a very small fraction of humanity that are actually making that effort. Yeah. Not completely. Yeah. It, it, but, uh, but it's it's. But even it's when space travel the is con- like the the way that we theorize it, even when it becomes a reality, mm. there are still going to be people on this planet. Yeah. There's still going to be people who can't get off this planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and who are going to be struggling, and mm. it's that's the, those basically are um our descendants that we need to think of. Of still. course. No, I get that. Yeah. Right. But that's I, the, yeah. I would personally rather as as fascinating and like like much I would love to be in space. I would rather not have to focus on that as much. Yeah. So I'm like actually, mm. I'm like the opposite. I'm like, I'd rather not focus on that so much because yeah. I feel like there's still so much worth saving yeah. still. Don't get me wrong, I would probably stay on Earth if it was the case. I just think when it comes to like trying to solve the macro issues that's the way it's going to go mm. especially because obviously if we found alternative resources yeah in other parts of space that were less restricted by hab- the habitants there to prevent you know and this might get to the point of destroying planets for resources mm. but here's a question would you rather that planets that no one lives on are destroyed far away to prevent this one from being destroyed or you know would you bide your time for there to be even a, another different way to sustain the entirety of humanity. For thinking hypotheticals, yeah. neither. I don't want to. Yeah. Can we stop blowing things up? That, no, this, <laughs> I, this is, but this is the way it, it will probably this go. Is the you, know I mean? you know, if they started, you know, mining here and there, like you know, it's the, you turn know. the earth into a Dyson sphere. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've been reading a lot of sci-fi recently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think I think it's, it's it's like one of those. I think it's quite a hot topic because it's not it's not a topic yet. That's how hot it is, you know? Oh, wow, it's mm. sizzling. It's a, yeah, it's just gone into the preheat 11, kind of. <laughs> but I believe you me, I believe there's going to be a lot of media attention on that in the coming couple years. Yeah. Because there already is a fair share of it. On. To, uh, to finish off, mm-hmm. there's one thing you could do, that you can do here, but if you could do it in space, what would it be? Because me, it'd be like... Job-wise? Yeah, because me, it'd be like space zoologist. I mean, Identifying cool. alien species, yeah. like, that'd be my dream. I don't know. What would you do? Space, space musician. <laughs> <laughs> Techno, but in space. 
I think I, I think sp- spaceship mental health would be one a cool thing, wouldn't it? Like the the HR yeah. on a spaceship and managing the micro community of. Um, can I pilot Red Dwarf? <laughs> make it a reality. <laughs> yeah, do. I want to make the Jupiter Mining Corporation. <laughs> there'll be a whole like new gold rush as well because we'll find some shit on another planet. Wow, look at this big glowing rock. <laughs> yeah, I like that glowing rock. Let's set our entire currency standard by this new glowing <laughs> rock. I'm gonna live on like a, a meteor. Would you yeah. like have your meteor ranch? Yeah. Well, I think meteor ranch. I think perhaps to bring it back to the previous conversation, because of things like that and how currency will change, I don't like. I think that there are so many sort of political issues around space exploration that will be more important than the actual exploration. Because, yeah. like, what if another, you know, another country suddenly becomes another planet, and another planet decides that they're <laughs> going to tie their currency to glowing green space rocks, <laughs> and. So I don't understand, for example, how can a cash-based society... But that might be the death work? of capitalism. If, it's, yeah. if it was forced to that, you know, there's the breaking point of the actual Earth, but there's also the breaking point of society. Bear in mind, in, in Star time. Trek, they all like live in a communist society. Yeah. Um, because there's no real way for it to mm. work otherwise. Mm. Well, I mean, well, we could just like sit here and wait for, the, you know, the inevitable alien overlords. Well, we said in the previous podcast, extinction instigation, you know, not just rebellion, it's pro-extinction. We should all ride out the rest of our time, have a bit of fun, and die. <laughs> and then the planet will have a better chance. Yeah. Or, you know, another another species can, like, take over after us. The birds. The birds. It's the crows, I tell you. I the think crows. it's the squids. And the bees. Dolphins, though. You watch out for them. They're very clever. Yeah. They're very clever. Anyway, we should probably end it there. There we go. But Thanks for joining me, guys. No problem. No problem. Yeah. Uh, all the um, socials will be in the description below, as per usual. But, um, but the space you. socials will be coming soon. The space socials. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a different Give thing. that another 10 years. Space is going to have its own social media. Other countries are going to have other internets, aren't they? They're oh, other countries, damn it. Other planets. Now you're going to have to pay more than one, like, thing. Maybe the because technology should be so good it can travel. Because our internet is based on satellites in. Uh, yeah, bigger yeah. satellites between so, systems because you have to transmit between planets and it, it'll take a long time like think about 5G the sun <laughs> takes 8 minutes the reality is 5G the yeah. light from the sun takes 8 minutes to get here so surely another planet would have to have a different internet and the two internets wouldn't be updating in real time you'd be paying more than one contract <laughs> and that's the biggest oh, no, issue my space phone <laughs> I've got to turn roaming off part my <laughs> communications device <laughs> anyway there anyway. we go Thanks again, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye, Amid. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>